thank you very much for sending it. It's time for Plan B with Rebecca Davis. Uh, good afternoon, Dr. Davis. Good afternoon. What a lovely message that was. Yes, and important to hear in the midst of a sort of general sense of malaise about the future of our country. Uh, I never thought that I would be asking Rebecca Davis to give me her opinion on boards, company well. boards, that is. <laughs> John, we've actually discussed boards quite a lot. <laughs> and they've been monopoly boards and risk boards. <laughs> Endless board games here. This week, John, the DA pointed out very uh, vigilantly, I think, that the Minister of Communications has appointed the CEO of the SABC to be the interim chairperson of the SABC board. Now, this is, in a word, absurd. Because the whole point of a board, right, the board of an SOE as much as the board of a company, is to provide an oversight role over the executive. So what the, the minister has now done is to make the CEO now responsible for his own oversight as the board chairperson. The board is supposed to sign off on the executive decisions and to provide very important checks and balances on certain executive decisions. That's obviously nonsensical when the CEO is now the chairperson of the board. And this is not unique. We're hearing similar murmurings about the Media Diversity Development Agency, which is another government body. The SA Tourism Board, we now know, has had three different chairs in three months because they appear to be shuffled every time they take a decision that certain people don't approve of. We also know that there's no one left on the SA Tourism Board, given the three recent resignations, with any specialized knowledge of tourism. So what's happening here, John, is, first of all, Zondo, in his report, correctly earmarked these boards as a major source of problems and, in fact, as a, quite a contributor to the entire state capture project. And Zondo also rightly pointed out that they can be held financially liable, that they have a fiduciary duty towards these organs of state that they are representing. Zondo's words seem to have fallen on deaf ears. I mean, I, I remember coming on this show at that point and saying, this is so great. Hopefully now we're going to see board members who really are very cognizant of the awesome duties they hold and the responsibilities towards the country and also will be very scared of getting sued. That's clearly not the case. And the issue is here too, John, that we actually have very lim limited information about what's happening on these boards unless, you know, we have a whistleblower, unless we have the, one of the opposition parties speaking out in Parliament. There's very little information coming from them. What is very clear is that Parliament has to step up and scrutinise candidates for boards more closely than ever in a non-partisan manner because these boards do have powers and as we are seeing, they are routinely being abused in ways that are oblique to us as members of the public, even to us as journalists. It really is critical. That was very boring, wasn't it? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, what we have more often and which we do take greater note of, I think, is when the chair of a board becomes the acting CEO, as was the case with uh, Malekapuru Makhoba and Mpoh Makwana, who were chair of the board of ESCOM for a while and also acting CEO for considerably longer than governor standards should say, uh, should should be the case. Um, Rebecca, I I was actually well reading your email earlier today, um, suggesting some lines of inquiry and conversation, and one of them being about middle age, and. I, I was thinking to myself, it's I'm I'm of an age where I am verging on many people, perhaps not so much now, but certainly historically, would be calling me the beginning of elderly. 
And, mm. and, and yet, I mean, I know that my body doesn't function the way it did when I was 25 and 35 and 45. So I know that is the case. So I know that in that sense, I am fully matured. But I still feel as mentally and spiritually youthful and at sea as ever I did. And I, I wonder what happened to my middle age. I seem to have gone from youth to late youth with nothing in between. That's fascinating, John, because that's exactly what an article in The Guardian this week is describing, the disappearance of middle age. Because traditionally, middle age was supposed to be this period of your life where everything was sorted. You'd got your spouse, your mortgage, your children, your little house to the garden, and you were sort of sitting back a bit. You were in a comfortable place in your career. And um, it was a period where, you know, you'd sort of take your foot off the brakes and relax, make yourself a cup of tea, pop your feet up, up and watch the teddy or whatever. That simply isn't happening anymore for various reasons, one of which certainly is economic, financial, namely that, you know, for many people, the age at which one would previously have considered the middle age is, is an age at which none of those things are in order for them. People are getting married later. People are certainly owning homes much later. And careers are taking off and changing at a pace in which they never did in the past. So it, it, it does raise the question, what, what is middle age? I mean, you know, the official estimates put it at anywhere between 40-ish to 60-ish. I just turned 40 last year. And I must say, I physically recoil at the idea that I'm middle-aged. I had a friend who recently referred to two middle-aged women and something about the phrase middle-aged woman in particular, perhaps this is internalized misogyny, really turned my stomach, John. But I suppose I could be considered middle-aged. I mean, I'd really be keen to hear from your, your listeners. What does it mean to be middle-aged these days? And an interesting point in the article was that from a psychologist who said that many of the men she speaks to seem to go through a significant psychological change around the age of 50, which she described as sort of loss and grief, I guess maybe associated with what we used to call a midlife crisis. But it seems to me, too, that at my age, people are going through certain changes to do with careers or um, divorces, etc., round about my age or even a bit younger, which suggests that those kind of crises are actually coming earlier I don't know, John, but I'd just like to know that I think of you as a very nubile and subtle young man. <laughs> you clearly haven't seen me. I think the last time the last time I saw you was when you and I had too much to drink before you <laughs> realized the error of your ways. <laughs> and that's a long time ago when I was in my middle youth now that I'm in my late youth. And the story that the story your favorite story of the week is also my favorite story of the week, and I really look forward to hearing you <laughs> describe the story, given what the story entails. Over to it you. Is, it is hard. All right. So this story takes place in Germany, where an award-winning German ballet director, apparently quite a temperamental one, received a negative review from a journalist, a critic, a dance critic who said that his new show in the Dutch mountains was being like alternately driven mad and killed by boredom. I think we can all agree that is indeed a savage review. Now, Michelle Obama said when they go low, we go high. And, you know, many of us do try to take the high road. Not Mr. Marco Gurka, who is the ballet director in question, who went low in such a spectacular fashion. It's almost inspirational. And what he did is, he went to 
Another show that this critic was attending confronted her during the interval and, how to put this delicately, he rubbed dog feces in her face, which is what he considered to be a satisfactory response to <laughs> She described it as an act against the freedom of the press. I agree it is less, less than ideal behavior towards a journalist, one of my own indeed, but John, honestly, there is something so satisfying about the idea of just taking a bag full of steaming dog droppings and rubbing them in the face of your enemy. I suppose we should be grateful that it was dog doo-doo rather than something traditionally so. wetter. Uh, <laughs> you should see all the faces of hands over their eyes in the studio at the moment. I'm so glad I'm not there. Uh, you are my friend in eschatology, Rebecca Davis. Thank you very much.